Blog Talk Radio. December 3rd, 2018, and if you're tuned in, you are listening to TaylorTaraRadio.com, where you can find us live Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays right here on TaylorTaraRadio.com. If you'd like to uh, call into the show at some point, we might take your call. We got lucky on Friday. The phone number is 323-870-3499, that is the call-in number if you'd like to chat with me or Tara, me being Jason, and if you'd like to follow us on Twitter, you can do so, uh, you can follow me at Taylor. you can follow my friend and my partner and my co-host and all that good stuff on Twitter at Tara Dublin Rocks. And we encourage everyone to follow the show account on Twitter at Taylor Tara Radio. If you have any questions, if you have any comments, um, we encourage you to direct, direct those there. Or if you like to get in the chat room here on the show, on the show page, um, you just click Tara if you're listening, TaylorTerrorRadio.com, and you'll see the uh, chat room down there at the bottom of the page. You can sign in, as a, sign in as a guest, or you can create a free blog talk radio account, which gives you a number of uh, uh, a number of perks. One being, um, you can go to all the other podcasts here on Blog Talk Radio, uh, live radio shows, and chat live. Um, you can also you also get a free 30 minute podcast per week out of prime time. So if you have any interest in podcasting, or you you know you think maybe it's something you like to do as a hobby, maybe you're a car guy, maybe you're a, a chef, you know whatever um, in the sport, whatever it might be, whatever causes um, that you like to triumph, uh, you can uh, 
check it out and, and, and maybe find out that you like podcasting and doing live radio because that's BTR gives you the opportunity like really like none other out there. They give you you're doing live, you know, live Internet radio and there's really nothing like it. It's a lot of fun, and I think it's the best platform bar none, period. It, you, you give up some to get some, and I've always said that So um, with Blog Talk Radio, but I think the ups are the uh, ups far outweigh the downs. Okay, uh, Tara, how are you this morning? <clears throat> I, I'm good, Jason. You know, I, I had a dream last night that um, mm-hmm. you, that you lost your voice and you weren't able to do the show. I don't know what that means. I don't know if someone wants to tell me in a dream dictionary what it means when you lose your voice, but that's what I, I dreamt that like I woke up to a bunch of like terrible, you know, like urgent texts from you saying like in all caps going, <laughs> I have no voice. I can't do the show. I don't know what to do. I don't know. That's what I woke. I woke up like, oh no. And then everything, but everything's fine. I don't know what that means as far as like art for the week, but hopefully you won't lose your voice in any way, shape or form. You're very excited this morning because of what is trending very high currently on Twitter. It's at number four right now. Number four. Yes. All the children of the 90s are losing their shit today. Uh, yes. We're not children of the 90s, you and I, but no. we're, we're just old enough to have remembered when this band hit it big. And uh, uh, go ahead, Jason. Go ahead. Go ahead and fangirl. Go ahead. Yeah. I'm encouraging well, this totally. Well, we, yeah, we, were, we were kids of the 80s in children of the 70s and but the nice thing about it when this band came in is that we were of uh we we were of age to to drink and you know we were 24 (laughs) we were 24 25 and so we were you know we were in that you know in between a lot of us were getting out of grad school out of college um you know and what have you so or going from undergrad to grad whatever and yeah, this band came on the scene, and um, I was actually in New—I was actually in New York, um, going to school, and they performed. Um, nobody had ever heard of them, and David Letterman was very notorious in, in in a very good way for taking these bands that nobody had ever heard of, and, and Letterman would put them on his show that he liked that he personally liked that he had found somebody to give him their, give them them, uh, him their tape or whatever. And he put this band on Hootie and the, but I'd already heard them though before. And he had Hootie and the Blowfish on. And today it was announced. Yes. After all this time has been rumored. We know we've had Darius Rucker out there doing the country thing, mad props. I love all his country stuff. He's always had that kind of, um, Anytime he would play Let It Cry uh, during a country show, he'd always say, you know, I originally wrote this song. It was really a country song when I wrote it back with Hootie. Let her but, cry. Uh, I remember yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, uh, 25 years since Crack Rear View. So when Crack Rear Oh, my Rear, God, I'm, we're old. Yeah, I'm 48. Years. So what, 23 years old when it came out? Yeah, I was, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, what, two years older than you, so I was living, I think, what, 25 years ago was 93, 94, right? That's when it came out? Right. So, yeah, I was living in the South uh, in 93, but moved up to New York. 
I think you and I were in New York at the same time for a little bit, and we just obviously yeah. we're a giant city. We don't know each other. So I told you this before we went on the air, but my my younger brother um, went to the College of Charleston, and that you know Hootie and the Blowfish are from down there in South Carolina, and uh, they played tons of house parties and dive bars, and my brother would tell me, oh, this weekend I saw this great band and. People who don't know me, they don't know. My brother is the polar opposite of me. He's not gregarious. He's not outgoing. He's not social unless he's drinking a lot. And then he's the life of the party. But um, <laughs> and he never he never went out to see music. That was never his thing. I used to, you know, I used to do that. That was my thing. But uh, and he was having I go out and I see this band every weekend. I was like, you go see a band every weekend. He was like, oh, yeah, no, they're great. They pack these house parties. They they sell, they sell, pack these bars. They're amazing, and they're going to be huge. Yeah. And I was like, well, who, what what are they called? He said, Hootie and the Blowfish. I said, well, that's the dumbest name for a band I've ever heard. <laughs> and <laughs> and then I remember I remember the first time I ever uh, heard them, and I was just like, nah, okay, I, I get the appeal. And then I saw what they looked like. And let's let's give a little bit of context. So going back to 1994, bands did not look like Hootie and the Blowfish. No, they looked they did not. right. They did not. Right. Yeah. Uh, they 1994. Were just... I'm trying to That's... think. So we had. Uh, so Kurt Cobain was recently dead, and right. there was kind of this alternative there music was a grungy explosion. Right. Right. There was a lull. Everybody. Was... There was a. Yeah, yeah, there was like a lull there in the music industry. Right. We had just for a little bit. Came a little out bit of, of pop. Real... Quiet. Right. And uh, then then they sort of exploded. And I remember the first time I saw them, I was and, you you know, you just hear a voice and you don't know what the person looks like. And so the first time I saw Darius Rucker, I'm sure I was as surprised as most people the first time that we saw Darius Rucker. That man is fine. That It goes beyond fine to fine. You have to put an O in there. Fine. He is a gorgeous, gorgeous man. And with that voice. And it's just one of those things that it just kind of came together. And I believe if I'm, if I'm remembering my music history correctly, they didn't love the fact that their name was Hootie and the Blowfish, but it stuck. And there right. it is. That's true. And, and so that's why, uh, you know, if you watch the movie Jerry Maguire these days, and there are people who don't get the joke because they didn't come up in the 90s. There's that joke for Cuba Gooding Jr. where the kid comes up and comes up to him in yeah. the airport and says, yeah. are you Hootie? So yeah. there was that cultural moment where I everything was Hootie. Where everything was Hootie, they were they were a running gag on one episode of Friends where Jennifer Aniston hooked up with a blowfish no, or Courtney Cox hooked up with right. one of the blowfish. God, man, um, you're so, making me feel really old. All of my shows. I'm making myself feel old. That's when I, you know what? You're just bringing that up, and this is really. That's really. I don't watch TV anymore. I literally do not. I, I don't watch any. All Yes, that's when I actually watched like Friends and Seinfeld, and yes, I mean, yeah, I watched all those shows, you know, and they were just, yeah, they were great. And yeah, I mean, that and whole this time, tour, that it's, uh, you know, I think everyone's obviously with the passing of of uh, George Bush, the the elder, which we'll get to in a little bit. Uh, every, yeah. I mean, there's a, a very major 90s nostalgia thing going on right now. I think I mentioned this the other day. Uh, all of Target is like half shirts and chenille sweaters and plaid. 
So, uh, you know, all the ugly clothes from the 90s are coming back. But this is one of those 90s comebacks that I actually don't mind because these are good guys. Hootie and the Blowfish are nice, good guys. Darius Rucker is a sweetheart of a human being. And they're going to be touring with the Bare Naked Ladies. So, like, double that 90s nostalgia for you. And uh, coming full circle, Bare Naked Ladies friends with our friend Paul Myers, who joined us on the show not too long ago. The only thing I'm disappointed about uh, is that this tour will not be coming anywhere near where I live, like at all. And uh, maybe we'll get your buddy Darius on the show here and we'll have a chat with him yeah. to see if we can lure him and the rest of the blowfish to the Pacific Northwest. Because um, as I also mentioned briefly, let's just tell him this quickly. Um, years ago when I was on terrestrial radio and Darius Rucker went off on his solo country career, which I know surprised a whole bunch of people, except the people that actually knew Darius Rucker. They were yeah, not, not surprised. It didn't surprise anyway. me a bit. I, yeah, right, because you, you had known him. So he yes. he went on this uh, back in the day when radio still mattered, when terrestrial radio still mattered and was uh, vital to helping artists break their uh, material. Uh, artists would go on these promotional tours to introduce themselves to radio programmers. And so Darius Rucker, who was you know, known as a pop artist, but not a country artist, he went around and he did stuff. So he came up to Portland. I did not work on a country station, obviously, but there was a country station in our building. And he performed for about 20 of us in a conference room. And he was lovely. I mean, he was just the nicest person, one of the nicest human beings literally I have ever met in my whole life. And uh, I went out of my way to talk to him because, first of all, the man, I was stunned. In, I always thought he was good looking, but in person, it was just like I, trying to form words was difficult because it was like Idris Elba level of sexiest man alive as far as I was concerned. So, uh, but I bonded with him, as I told you right before we went up. Hoodie and the Blowfish had been on Sesame Street, and they used Hold My Hand as a way to teach Elmo uh, to cross the street. And so I talked to Darius Rucker and I said, because you are on Sesame Street, my kids know who you are. And I can, you know, we always sing the song when we cross the street because my kids were really little at the time. And he said, you know, the going on Sesame Street was the best thing I ever did because now I can hold that over my kids' heads. If they ever misbehave, I'm like, all right, I'm going to get on the phone and call Elmo. And they were like, no, 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 no. So, he, you know, just is this cool, laid back, very accessible, great guy. And because he's friends with you, Jason, I think we're going to get lucky enough to book him on the show here, hopefully coming up not not too long and just chat with him. And this is a time where we can remember that, like, there's still good news out there. It's great to know that all of the guys in the Blowfish are doing well and they can go on tour and bring some happiness to their fan base, you know, and people can make jokes or whatever. But like, this is a good thing. Like, that's a good bit of news for a Monday. Uh, separating us from the usual, uh, you know, latest addition to the garbage fire that we normally wake up to. And not that we didn't wake up to news like that, but it's just so nice to see Hootie trending for a good reason. Right. It was, you know, Hootie came along. Yeah. I mean, uh, I met back, you know, and and a lot of people know, I mean, look, I played in a band in, in, in like, when I, st- I started playing, and a lot of my family's musically inclined too. So I started playing music when I was really young, piano lessons, all that stuff. Became a drummer, guitar player. Ultimately, um, you know, played drums. Had a band in high school. Had a band in undergrad. Had a band in graduate school. Played and um, but I had like I had like spent. I had a lot of friends there in South Carolina area, and I had been to a couple of these keggers. 
you know, a couple of these keg parties and seen Hootie, met Darius, met Sony, the drummer, and um, got to be friends with Sony and Darius. And um, uh, not a show has gone by, uh, including Darius on his country career, which has been outstanding. I mean, which has been incredibly successful. <laughs> Believe you me. He, you know, this is something they, it, I think Darius is really, I mean, he's doing it because people want it. And he's also doing it for the guys in the band. I mean, Darius has his own career as a country singer now. Um, and um, it, it, it's exciting to see uh, Hootie coming back. And like I, I said, we have got, became good friends. I'd never missed a show, never missed a Hootie show, always had VIP. And I'm not bragging or what any of that stuff. I'm just saying that I always well, have. shows what good yeah. guys they are, you know, that they don't yeah, forget you as the guy. Uh, you know, I mean, I yeah, I mean, I always have, you know, I always have, you know, extra, t- however many tickets I need, how, you know, uh, oh, for my friends. Nice. Yeah, always, you know, all, however many tickets I need, um, you know, uh, always, you know, uh, all access, you know, VIP passes, always waiting at will call for me. And um, so, like, I, yeah, it is. So I'm going to try and get, I've already, actually, I emailed him and I emailed Darius, I emailed Sony and I emailed their publicist. Um, Sony don't have a publicist, but, um, I know that, uh, I, I want to get, um, Darius and Sony on the show and, That'd um, great. they're gr- That'd yeah, be great. So I'm gonna, and then, yeah. That's awesome. Along those lines, uh, my favorite, one of my absolute favorite, 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 love them to so much, uh, also have announced a tour and a comeback for themselves. They haven't been in Portland in, by the time they get here, it'll been seven years since they've been here and that's snow patrol and I love them and people who don't know me very well might think snow patrol is kind of a softer band. Cause I'm kind of aggro, but I love them so, so, so much. And in the same way that Hootie and the Bluefish have uh, hooked you up and been kind to you like that and generous like that to you over the years, snow patrol has been the same for me because I first met them when I was on terrestrial radio here. In fact, they were one of the very first bands I ever met when I first got my job on the radio in 2004. I mean, think about 14 years ago is when uh, Snow Patrol first uh, hit. And now, and I, you know, I was one of those where I predicted that they would be a huge band and my boss was like, nah. And I was like, but no, no, no. And that's one of those, those frustrating things where I knew I was right. And then I went back to him when Chasing Cars became the biggest hit like ever. And I was like, see? And he was just like, bah. Um, But there, I would love to get Snow Patrol. I would love to get Gary Lightbody and Johnny McDade on our show as well because they're lovely, lovely, lovely human beings. And they always have been super kind to me. And they've always acknowledged that, you know, our radio station uh, was instrumental in helping them succeed. And then uh, one time I got a really nice shout out at a show from Gary who said, you know, we'd like to thank I won't name the station because fuck them, but um, <laughs> uh, the station, but especially Tara, because uh, she plays us more than anyone and she loves us more than anyone. So when we, when you make a connection like that, like you made with Darius, like I made with Snow Patrol, it's one of those things where it's like, you always kind of have that, you know, it doesn't matter how shitty the rest of the world is. Yeah. You have that connection. Yeah. It gives you something to look forward to. So, uh, and Snow Patrol will be here in Portland like two weeks after my birthday, so or two or two and a half weeks after my birthday in the spring. So, you know, that'll be nice. And uh, so my plan is to reach out to them and see if we could get them just to, I mean, just to hear those Irish accents again, just swoon. 
good guys. See, we just did 20 minutes of nice, good, happy material before yeah, we and, even yeah. mention even mention anything that might be going on in the news. Well, and this is actually, you know, this, you know, talking about Hootie and you know Hootie and Blowfish, and and um. That era of time when when they released Crack Review, it's been 25 years um, since Crack Review, and you've got to remember, think back to that time, 1993, where we were as a country, what we had just came out of from our mm-hmm. presidency, the who uh, we just came out of George H. W. Bush's presidency, and um, we'll be discussing. Um, he's going to be laid to rest this week um, here in College Station. Texas, which is just up the road from Houston, and um, we were coming out of that. We were going into the Clinton administration, and mm-hmm. there was, and um, you know, we had come out of a war um, with uh, President Bush and gone into this whole new, who is this person, Bill Clinton, excitement thing, and. I mean, everybody, you know, the economy was on the uptick. I mean, Bill Clinton was kicking butt, and uh, Hootie came out. Everybody was making money, <laughs> and this was good you know, time. everybody was there happy. Was that was music. a great time. That was a great was, time to a, be. It was a boom time. It was. It there was, was uh, productive. There yeah. was great art and music and films. I mean, go back. Look at 1994 in film. You know, just. Pulp yeah. Fiction, Forrest Gump, all of those great movies. It was a really wonderfully creative time for a lot of people because the economy well, was and doing the doc- well and people felt optimistic and such. Yeah, and then you, and you had the – I mean, right at that time, you had the dot-com boom. Um, you yes. know, you had – yeah, I mean, everything started to explode, um, you know, during the Clinton administration. Everything on, you know, internet-wise exploded – then and uh you know silicon valley became what it is today during those that period of time and you know there's just a everybody it was just a lot of good i mean it was a i mean we had come out of such a kind of uh, i don't know you know i mean we're kids of the 80s so you know we were like we were you know we were fighting against the establishment you know against well every generation feels like that for sure right Um, right right But but, I would say we had uh, maybe a little less to fight about back then than people do now. Uh, It certainly wasn't the oppressive uh, feeling across the country uh, that we were currently feeling. And um, as we, you know, we're saying goodbye to George H.W. Bush. And the problem when a president passes is, of course, everyone wants to kind of uh, whitewash their uh, negative uh, traits because, you know, they feel you need to honor and respect not just the human being that they were, but the office that they served in. Um, and uh, I, my, I don't know what your timeline's looking like, but on my Facebook, I, there's a lot of angry women on my Facebook saying, well, like, he did this and he did that, and I don't care that he's dead, and I'm glad. And it's just, hmm. I, you know, I, you know, I still have, I, and that was the first election. 1988 was the first time I ever voted in a presidential election. And I certainly voted for Dukakis. Um, but uh, do, do I feel a little bit of an affection for him? A little bit. Yeah. Because he was, you know, maybe better out of office than in, as far as uh, how you remember somebody, you know, like, he was like very, history, yeah. 
you know, like you remember him for being so loving with his wife and their lasting relationship. Sure. But also he got actually, I would say that George H.W. Bush got three terms in office and not just one because his son was his surrogate for two consecutive terms afterwards. So, um, and that's a whole other thing that we can delve into because I know things about the Bush family, because as I've mentioned on the show previously, I used to work for somebody who was George W. Bush's roommate at Yale. And so there's small things, small insider things that I do know about puppet master uh, Bush 41. But is this the time to reveal those things? I don't know. Should I honor and respect his legacy or should I not? What do you do in that situation? Like, are, are we beholden to a legacy? Uh, and how long does that hold? How long do you honor that? Or can you tell bad stories about someone who just died? Should you? Should you not? It's that the, the conundrum of social media is uh, we're supposed to tell the truth about things. But at the same time, <laughs> but at the same time. Uh, I don't want to be mean. I, I don't no, know. Don't I feel like be. and we, you know, we what? don't. We don't and have to be. And I don't like. No. No. Look. look Especially let me, you coming you know, in from Houston, and he's such, we, you know, the connection to Texas and all that. And yeah. We don't have to be. Look, we don't have to be. We, you know, we just. Front. It, it, I look here. Here you go. If you want, if there is a piece that you want to read, and you and, and <clears throat> you want to read <clears throat> a really good op-ed on on uh, on on President Bush on forty-one, if you really want to read, and you don't want to read a conservative writer, maybe you're just that kind of way. You just, I don't read conservative writers. I don't read Republican writers. Blah blah blah. Go read Frank Bruni in the New York Times. Read his op-ed on Bush, and it's it's. It, it, it's a it's a great take. There's a lot of good op eds there in the New York Times on 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 Bush on on Bush 41, but Frank's uh, is, is is I mean every anybody knows me knows I'm like I love Frank. I think he's one of the best op ed writers there is, and <clears throat> he's great. He's got a great op ed on him. I don't think we have if people say well you know when we lose you know a president we lose somebody of you know of high stature you know we whitewash everything you know we forget about all the bad stuff well you know what indeed in the time right now there'll be time for that in the future history books will tell the tales and you know we you know we know all the other stuff you know we know listen I I look we know the Iran the 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 Iran Contra you know ordeal we we got all that you know we understand. Um, you know uh, that that Atwater was was 41's campaign manager, and we know what a horrible individual Atwater was. But but I would say this about Atwater: is that, you know all these campaign managers, you know they they're I mean the vast majority of them are horrible. They they are horrible. David Brock would tell you personally he is evil. <laughs> he, you know, he, you know, David Brock. A lot of people don't know. I mean, he's, you know, with Media Matters for America now, and he's still a political operative. But you know, he used to be here on the, he used to be on the right, and you know, David Brock is, is falls into that line of, and which I like to say as a as a strategist, as a political consultant, a killer. But anyways, back to Bush forty one. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things you can go back to and say, uh, but you know, I, I Terry, you you bring up a great. Uh, a great point when you say, you know, this is probably you remember him, um, all the great things that he did out of office, you know, rather than what he really didn't do much of anything in office. 
Um, uh, you know, we, we, we look at Carter the same way, do we not? Uh, yes, absolutely, we do. Yeah, I mean, we look at we we look at President Carter, President Jimmy Carter, the same way. I mean, um, he was a horrible president. Um, but history and, is will remember him kindly because of his service post office. Yes. Yeah. You know, after exactly. after he left office and all the greatness, all the great things that he's done. He, I mean, he's just a good human being, and he always has been. He was a good man in a bad situation. And he was, was in a real bad situation. Making, yeah, I mean. That that time, if uh, for people who weren't alive at that time, I mean, I was very young at that time and not fully paying attention to everything. But I, you know, I remember listening to the television news and uh, hearing my mom more than my father. My father was, you know, just an ingrate and didn't really pay attention. But um, no. my mother saying things like, "Oh, this poor guy. Oh, this poor guy can't can't get can't get out of his own way," and she would say. Oh, you know, this poor guy, you know, this isn't even his problem, but he has to solve it. She would say things like that, and I didn't fully understand what that meant. But uh, now, of course, I understand that uh, uh, your current sitting president inherits the good and the bad from the previous occupant. You just do. And boy, Carter was left with a great big mess. So anyway, yeah. but yeah, what he's done with Habitat for Humanity and, right. you know, his, his disservice to his country always. Um, well, and I think quickly, that you, you could say Car- the same about Bush the Elder has done yeah. better post being in office, although he's just a, he just seemed like, you know, like everybody's everybody's grandpa by the time, you know, like in the last decade or so, you just kind of looked at him as, you know, one of the old ex-presidents and there he was. And I, you know, it just 73 years with Barbara Bush. 73 years of marriage. Those are Incredible. the things that you can look at and say, there's an example. You know, yeah. there's a good thing. But even if he forced his son upon our country unnecessarily, <laughs> it was supposed to be Jeb running in 2000. It, yes, it was. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, be very, yeah, be very clear about that. They had no intention. There, I mean, the Bush family all the way back to Prescott, and I studied, you know, a lot in in at, when I was in graduate school at Columbia. That was, I studied the Bush family a lot in my getting my master's in political science. And look, I mean, they had no, um, I mean, and this was way before, but but I mean, everything had lined up, you know, um, for Jeb to, uh, you know, one day assume the the. Uh, Assume his rightful place as president of the United States. Right. W was W was just going to be a baseball owner. <laughs> well, that's the story, and that's that's the story that I tell. And it's, what's interesting is that there are people that I've told that story to, and they're like, "No," and I'm like, uh, "Yeah." I, so my I and I may have told this story on the show before, and I'll tell it quickly. But um, my former boss, when I lived in New York City in the 90s, I worked for a man who was George W. Bush's roommate at Yale, who to this day is still friends with them. I'm sure he's going to be attending at least one of 41's memorials, Um, and I may spot him in the crowd. Who knows? But anyway, uh, he would get drunk at our Christmas parties and tell stories about the Bush family that are not for public consumption. 
But the last year that I worked for him was 1997. And this is when they still co-owned the Texas Rangers together. George Bush was still governor of Texas. And he had visited our office. I had seen a very nice looking guy, nice enough. Uh, but uh, the last one was when uh, my boss had just come back from their holiday celebration at, at the compound in Kennebunkport and uh, Bush the Elder. Uh, after dinner, but before dessert was served, as the plates were being cleared, pounded his fist on the table and said, all right, well, sorry, Jebby, but we've decided we're going to run Georgie in 2000. And Jeb said, but daddy, you said I was going to run. And George said, but daddy, you know, I don't want to be president. I want to be commissioner of baseball. And that is the story that I tell that is, I mean, that's one degree of separation, okay? Someone who was in the room told me that story. Now, I've been told that until the person who is in the room tells them that story directly, they don't exactly believe me because it's been filtered. But I've been telling that story since 1997. It doesn't change the fact that it's true. So imagine what our world would be if George W. Bush had just been commissioner of baseball. Imagine if Al Gore had actually been president in 2000 and what our climate change initiatives would look like now. What our air would be like today, what our water would, they, would we have had those out of control California fires? Who knows? Who yeah, knows? We'll never know, this though. is why, well, this yeah. is why if you have kind of that uh, long distance vision and you can see past the present and glimpse a future where you know that what your current situation is, how it's going to impact your future, if you have any way of stopping it. So, there was a way that this could have been stopped in 1997 and was not. So I would say that those people who are in a position right now to stop Donald Trump for doing any more bad things, they think that that needs to happen. And I'll remind you, my good darling friend, on Friday's show, I said that Trump is not above the law. And this morning, Senator Jeff Merkley tweeted the exact same thing. Trump is not above the law. The Mueller investigation is uh, I, getting closer I, and closer. I agree. So I agree. Um, Trump is not above I'll the law. So I just, my, so curious yeah. what this week brings. Yeah. Right. I mean, no, I agree. And you know, uh, you know that I love Senator Merkley. Um, we love him. And I, he's a good one. He, yeah, he is. He's a good guy. And, um, <clears throat> will make a good president too. Um, I, good, you VP. Know, good, good VP. He would be, yes. Um, you know what? He would be my exception to the no white guys, 2020. Uh, Jeff Merkley would be an exception, I think, to that as yeah. long as the ticket was balanced well. Yeah, yeah, he he would be a great he would be a great. Uh, 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 I mean, his his he would make he really does fit the perfect mold for a VP. His stances on climate, um, you know, he's very progressive on climate change. Um, he's very. I mean, he would work well with so many other countries, which is, is you know, is is, is indeed the yeah. role, uh, part of the role of the VP of the Vice President of the United States. He would so work he's so on the, well in that. If he's role. the VP, who's the uh, who's the presidential person on that ticket? Who balances with Merkley, in your view? In my view, mm-hmm. uh, I would. I would. In in my view, I would be. Uh, in my view, a realistic ticket, and I've actually said this behind closed doors, but I'll say it right now, would be Kamala Harris and Jeff Berkeley. That would be an amazing yeah. ticket. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be very yeah. happy to see that ticket. Sure. Yeah. That'd I don't want to hear anymore. I mean, like, I'm so done hearing Beto, you know, and, and, and 
you know, throw somebody well, there. He hasn't with, ruled it out. He hasn't well, ruled it out. I know. No. Well, let's not go to yell. Yeah. <laughs> and not Bernie. Road. Jesus, God, no, no. Bernie, please don't. Just don't. You know why? And it, you know what? I will say this repeatedly. You it, just remo- rem- just removing the politics from it and the the whatever else. I will say it again. This country is not going to elect a socialist Jew. And I say this as a Jewish person myself. Happy Hanukkah, everybody. By the way. Um, yes. Okay. And uh, yes, I am a bad Jew because I will. Still no, be you're not. No, you're not. Yes, I am. I don't. You're I'm not nearly. A cultural Let me, Jew. Well, hold on a second. I'm not religious. Let me hold believe. on a second. Hold on a second there, Motor Mouth. Hold on a second. <laughs> Hold on a second. Hold up there a second. Let me let me tell everybody something real quick for all the listeners. Look, what? Tara makes herself out to be this horrible, uh, a horrible Jew, and she's I, not. She's I, not. She no. She's hor- No, she's not. I know Tara. She's not. She's not this horrible. Okay. No. No, I'm a no. good person. I'm just not a good Jew in that I don't well, believe in just God. Because you don't I don't go believe to, in organized religion. Oh, I don't know. I don't go to temple. I think in your most, I, I think in your quiet, I think in your quietest do. moments you believe something. I do. I know no, you. I don't. And I've been praying for you too. I I appreciate <laughs> that. We've had this discussion. There is faith. And then there is proof. You give me proof, I will be very happy to change my stance. It would be delightful. I am not a believer. I I don't think I have ever been a believer in a higher power. I think this is it. It's on you. Your life is yours, and you are responsible. And the things that happen are the things that happen. And nobody has a grand plan, and life is just life. And we are products of science. And the reason we have religious texts and such is that back in the primitive years, man did not understand science, so he invented gods to explain the things, and then we got science to explain the things, and we don't need the gods. That is my take. That is me personally, me. When I say I'm a bad Jew, and I have actually written a, an article about this for the for Juicy.com years ago, J-E-W-C-Y, and maybe later on I'll tweet it. Okay, so aside the fact that I'm an agnostic atheist and I think all religions are culty bullshit, I also don't keep kosher because the reason that there are kosher rules is because back in the desert there was no way to preserve food. So that's why you can't have pork because it would spoil or shellfish because it's a bottom feeder and it would be dirty. I eat all of that. Give me bacon wrapped shrimp. Go I don't right oh God. No, no, I don't eat pork. No, I do not okay. eat pork. I do. It's but I'm not delicious. Jewish. I'm so Catholic. I'll eat that. I'm Catholic. And I don't keep but. the holidays. The only this is the only Hanukkah is the only holiday that I even observe in the slightest because I have kids. And by the way, one I, kid is in college. He doesn't care. The other kid, uh, they only want gift cards now. They don't. It's this is all about what do I get? What do I get? But I still have my great grandmother's menorah, which I tweeted a picture of last night. The tradition of lighting the candle is about as Jewish as I get. That and I know I still know a few Yiddish. I'm culturally Jewish. I'm not a practicing Jewish person. Having said that, I do not, I still will never begrudge somebody who lives with their faith and their faith enriches their lives like yourself. Um, Like, you know, plenty, plenty of people live a life where, you know, they go to church and it's part of their life, but it's not their whole lives. Be happy. Do what makes you happy. Leave me out of it. I don't, I'm never going to be a believer. And there's something that I've noticed lately in this last, in the last week, I've had 
two different missionaries knock on my door to try to talk to me about God. I think people are freaking out and they think the, the apocalypse is impending or something. But um, the, the, the thing about the, peop, the reason people like Hanukkah is we get presents and we eat a lot of fried food. That's, <laughs> that's why. It's true. It's true. Real so quickly, when I say Sarah, I'm a bad Jew, plus I have tattoos. Jews are not supposed to, to get do. tattoos. I have no choice so, but you to know, talk over her. It's the only way I can get in. See, look, I'm going to explain something to everybody. When you're – listen, when you're with Tara, she's, when she's going, you, you have no yeah. choice. You have to talk over her or you won't get a word in. You, you will uh, not. You not will hear no – That's not entirely true. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You no, asked me to explain I'm the just, bad Jew thing. I was explaining it. That's all. No, I wanted you to. You're fabulous. You're doing great. No, well, I wanted to add in there uh, – on the on the religion on on the religion yes. thing, I I watched a very um interesting uh, episode of Ben Shapiro. Everybody, don't sit, don't freak out. Is Ben Shapiro interviewing Sam Harris? Do we all know who Sam Harris is? I know I'm you do. My head explode. Okay, I'm listening. You know who Sam Harris is, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Sam Harris is the opposite of Ben Shapiro. Completely. So, um, you know, Sam Harris is Sam Harris is, is an atheist. Um, he's um, but anyway, the 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 way that Shapiro and Harris handled this debate, it was so it was I mean, or I would wouldn't say debate, interview, debate, um, kind of mixed in. It was it was uh it was really good it was so pro and it, i mean i mean it was i i tell anybody i, I would tell anybody it, it's it's very much worth you know listening to i mean if you really want to hear to and you whatever you might think of Shapiro and whatever you might think of Sam Harris it's two very intelligent people um discussing very calmly not yelling not screaming, not trying to belittle the next person, having an intelligent discussion on religion and hmm. where faith plays into our society. And Shapiro and Harris both show immense amount of respect for each other. And it, it, it's just – it's nice to – if you want to listen to something like that, you want to hear a good debate where people aren't screaming and, and you know uh, – it, it 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 was just that, and I, I enjoyed mm-hmm. it, and I'm you know so well, I enjoyed it. I mean, it. I don't I don't see a reason to get into a screaming debate over religion. Uh, it's like I said, I'm not a believer, and if you are, that's great. Yeah. But there is literally nothing anybody can say to me to make me believe, because you can't make me share your faith. You can only show me proof. And that is the deepest philosophical debate from the beginning of recorded time, I would say, because uh, you either believe or you don't. You have faith or you don't. You're a person who needs solid proof or you're okay with having a belief system. And I don't, I don't think that you having a belief system or having faith is wrong. I'm just a person who believes in what I can see, hear, taste, touch, smell, all of the, the tactile things. And I would... Always, my my response is always prove it. And I was in a philosophy class when I was in college at the University of Georgia, and that attitude got me in a hu- huge amount of trouble 
in my philosophy lecture, not with my professor. He absolutely loved me. But the other people in the lecture hall, there was a, they, the last group that had to prove a thing, they had to prove beyond a shadow of a doubt the existence of God. And you can't do it. You can't prove God exists unless a God decides to show up and show themselves whatever form they decide to take and have people possibly believe it. So, and when those kids just read from the Bible, that's not proof to me because the way I look at it, your Bible did not fall from the sky. It was printed on a printing press and it was written by human men who decided they would interpret what they believed was the word of the God that they thought that they believed in. So that, and, but again, my take, and I think that I can be very, very respectful in when it comes to listening to other people talk about their religion. I absolutely don't begrudge you. I, I can say it a million times and I can have a very calm discussion about it. It's, okay, great. Prove it. It's what it comes down to for me. So there it is. Yeah. Well, I look, I'm, I'm a, Tried I'm it. a, I'm a, tri, I'm a, listen, I'm a tried and true Catholic. We're notorious. We're not, we're not, you know, we don't stand on the corner. We don't stand on the corner on our soapboxes, and we have a whole bunch of Bibles in our house which we never read. And um, I mean, that's just kind of I'm I'm making little jokes here, but actually, that's you know, there's an old saying. Uh, uh, um, you know, they they call they call a lot of Catholics cafeteria Catholics, and um, you know, you'll go into like um, you could like when my grandmother was alive and you would go into my grandmother's house um i mean it looked like you were walking into the Sistine chapel i mean <laughs> i mean there was you know i mean there was you know so many uh you, you know uh uh crucifixes and i mean and 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 you know uh, sy- uh symbols and images of the blessed mother and i mean just you name it i mean so um yeah but not not one. But never Catholics are never one to go out and um, old school Catholics, anyways. And that's where I come from. Or we're not one to go out and and like, you know, throw our faith upon somebody else. So. <laughs> no, and that's and I know this to be true because I grew up across the street from a Roman Catholic church where I lived in New Jersey, and we were everybody was always welcome. That's one yeah, thing yeah. that I remember. I remember that, um, I mean, that's where, like, they would have Santa Claus come every year. But anytime, you know, anybody was welcome there. And um, actually, there was one time I went to a wedding. A friend of mine's brother got married there, and their mom was the secretary at my temple. And so in a, way, in a weird way with worlds colliding, I walked into the church across the street from my house and saw my rabbi sitting there, and I sat with him. And we were as welcomed there as we would have been, you know, anywhere. And it didn't matter that we were different. It just mattered that we were there. And uh, I don't understand why anybody has to decide, you know, no, if you are a person who believes in a higher power, I would love to believe that that higher power belongs to everyone. And there's no one right way to worship that higher yeah. power. That's what um, I believe. And and I believe that if you believe in that higher power, that that higher power is a source of love and goodness. And that is what you should be sharing with each other. And the fact that there have been wars over my God is better than your God is incredibly frustrating for me because everybody's God teaches love. And yet there are all of, there's all of this contention over it and all of this fighting about it. And that makes no sense to me. 
Because if every religion is rooted in kindness and respect and love, why is it that no one ever actually acts on it except I, on Sundays when they're all sitting together in the church? I mean, that's a huge question to ask, but, you know, yeah, no, that's what I don't I – mean, and that's like when we get trolled – and I go and I look at someone's account if they're not, if they're like actually a human being and not a not a bot, and all of these people from the other side and they come and they say terrible things and the first word in their bio is Christian, really. So, that's where my disconnect begins is when you're using that as an excuse for your hate. You can hide behind this and. It really bothers me, and you know this about me, when people cherry-pick their Bible verses to back up their hateful stances. I really don't like that because I yeah, don't, I don't think that that is – it's not the basis for a real argument. And no. I would rather people just honestly say, I don't like gay people. They make me uncomfortable. I'm uncomfortable with this. I'm uncomfortable with that. It makes me feel icky. I would rather people just tell the truth about why they don't like something rather than trying to hide it behind that stuff. Yeah. So that's, you know, uh, I, 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 other than that, like, go, go ahead and do, do what makes you happy. Me personally, I've incorporated a lot of, I've kind of, I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm still Italian Roman Catholic. I've incorporated a lot of, um, Different aspects from or different practices from different religions. Not, not, not. I'm not speaking Protestant. I'm speaking, you know, Buddhism and Hinduism, and meditation and um, things of that nature into my spirituality. So my spirituality is uh, is really a part of you know is is I I got to be and I've said this, Tara. God knows I've said it a million times. But I that's the the things that I look for in my life is to be spiritually healthy, emotionally healthy, and physically healthy. And, and you're um, doing those things. Uh, and, Very proud. Of right. And I'm I'm best I'm I'm at my best when all those three align. So um you know that's just yeah that's that's for me and it's and I don't ever like you know push it on anybody because I have. I, no, I'm not. I never have been. Well, look, I wasn't raised that way. I mean, I was obviously right. raised Catholic, but I wasn't raised that way. Now, half my family on the other hand is Protestant, Evangelical, Southern Baptist, and, you know, they make no bones about it that, you know, how evil us Catholics are for drinking and gambling, although I don't drink. been sober for over a year, and – um but uh, yeah, we're evil for a lot of those things. So um, oh well, but, I'm even more evil. So don't worry about it. Yeah, we're all well, going yeah, to hell. Get see, in the car. The thing, I'm though. driving. But see, that's how but, is that? But see, there's the <laughs> thing that there there's the thing with 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 the even with evangelicals and 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 I think it really more so. And you would probably agree, not necessarily Jews, but the Jewish nation of Israel. Um, you know, evangelicals have this. You know, I mean, you know, Armageddon needs to happen tomorrow. And, oh, for crying out loud. Yeah, you know, <laughs> that's the only way they're going to get away with uh, their connection to I would say Trump Armageddon started Armageddon. in 2016 when we elected this nut. <laughs> Hello. Yes, and oh, man, he's so scared. All of these tweets of his about the Mueller investigation are just 
So, yes, I, I'm still blocked by Trump on my Tara Dublin Rocks account, but um, we're not blocked on our Taylor Tara radio account. So I'll pop over there and check out what he's tweeting. And it's always some, you know, it's all the crazy bullshit, but it's from what, uh, uh, you know, and I'll go and check because someone will have said, oh, man, you know, it's even more desperate than normal. It really is. It really is more desperate. And if anybody has the sense God gave, gave a goat in the, in the White House or what's left of the White House staff, they would just take his phone away now because he's not helping himself and he's making it worse. Remember, every accusation is a confession and uh, he can't stop. Uh, belittling Michael Cohen now, where months ago it was Michael Cohen, is, you know, loyal to me. Michael Cohen took care of all of my lawyerly stuff. Michael Cohen, and he tweeted this morning that Michael Cohen didn't take, doesn't take care of, has nothing to do with him and doesn't take care of uh, any of his things. And it's like, uh, Michael Cohen took care of everything. You, you were his only client, his only client. You cannot, there's nothing you can tweet. There is nothing, it's all just, I mean, the smoke screens are, have never been weaker and the gaslighting is just, he's des he's so desperate now. And we saw, I want to just uh, talk about at G20 when Putin greeted the crown prince. And did you see the photos of Trump's face? Yeah. I'm not daddy's, I'm not daddy's favorite anymore. Like, well, yeah, you know. What's, what's going on with, what, I mean, and, and I put that, you know, I put the Kershaw or uh, I'm, I know I'm pronouncing his last name wrong. Kashogi uh, killing there in the in the um, t- in, in the headline of the show today. But yeah, I mean, uh, what's going on over there with the Saudi prince and Putin? And then you've got you've got um, uh, 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 fr- uh, France's uh, uh, president Macron. Um, you have him asking the Saudi, telling the Saudi prince, "Hey, you never listen to me. You know what's up with that? <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of, I don't, huh. you know, I mean, what's up Putin. With that? The, yeah, what's up with that? You know, I mean, Saudi, hmm. the Saudi prince and Putin, you know, like high fiving and shit. I mean, what's going on? What, what is? I mean, all this, and and then the CIA comes out and says, yes, they have definitive, absolute, 100 percent proof that this Saudi prince." absolutely gave the order of this killing of this journalist and we still have pompano going out there uh running his mouth saying oh well no there's nothing out there and of course trump same deal you know i i I don't know why you know what's going on why you know i mean why i don't know why we continually give the saudis a free pass when they've done so much and continue to wreak so much havoc not only on us, but in the region, on Yemen, on those children. I mean, mm-hmm. it's cutting off food supplies. Why do we continue to arm? Why do we continue to sell? I mean, you know what? It's going to come back to bite us in the ass when Russia and Saudi decides to team up and, you know what, start World War Three. And then, you know, I'm gonna, everybody's going to say, oops, we shouldn't have, you know. I mean, it's just. I don't understand. I mean, if something's going on there, I mean, it's just it's it's Putin and this. Boy, I tell you what, they love playing Trump, don't they, Tara? They love oh my fucking God, with his mind. Yes. Oh, they boy, love you didn't like that. that I mean, I mean they love it. I so what I tweeted was there was that picture of Putin greeting the crown prince, and my tweet was 
you know, you did a great job murdering the guy I told you to murder. Yay. Um, it's all Putin. Putin is the puppet master and he holds all of the strings. And if Donnie doesn't do his bidding, he's got the crown prince to do it. And they're all in cahoots and it's all tied in together. And why? Because money because money and power, because ultimate power corrupts, and there's just not enough money for these fuckers, and there's just not enough power. They're all evil, and they are corrupted, and Trump is compromised, and he knows that he's on the back burner now. He's not number one son anymore. He's, uh, he has displeased Daddy Vlad in some way. Uh, watch him, I would guess, in this next week, now that he's back from G20, I would guess in this next week, um, well, first of all, it's only Monday, but we should hear more from the Mueller investigation, I would imagine, before the end of the week, and we'll see what happens there. It is very, very possible that Daddy Vlad is trying to back away because he knows that he can no longer protect his puppet from the Mueller investigation. That's too far gone now, now that Manafort has spoken with him and Michael Cohen has testified on the record and has cut a deal that where additional information, by the way, was released late Friday night, where uh, after you and I had long since wrapped our show Friday, uh, where we learned even more uh, stuff about the discussions about Trump Tower Russia. Um, So I'm going to go ahead and throw down the gauntlet by saying that Putin is displeased with his little puppet. He is now going to start distancing himself and you're going to see Trump um, freaking out even more than usual, maybe even trying very, very hard to get back in Putin's favor, would be my guess. As these two things converge this week with the Mueller investigation, closing in very much so as we saw Friday night uh, when the new information from Michael Cohen, Michael Cohen's testimony is also for for the Mueller investigation. The Mueller investigation is cooperating with the uh, state attorney general of New York's investigation into the Trump organization's pyramid scheme against the adult Trump children. So before the end of this week, these two things should converge where the kids are in trouble and so is Donnie and Putin is going to want to not have anything to do with that. He doesn't want this touching him anymore. So I I think the dynamics this week are going to be very interesting and that his Trump's tweets are going to get more desperate and you're going to see both things like he's going to try to more of a smokescreen for the Mueller investigation while trying to get back in daddy Vlad's good graces. That's my guess. Who knows? Yep. Uh, let's do this real quick. Let's take a quick break here and um, we will come back and uh, we'll kind of wrap this thing up here uh, over the next uh, um after the break and uh, for the next 20 minutes or so and uh, try and touch on some of the, uh, some of the other news of the day. Uh, definitely want to get more into um, with uh, I'm here in Houston and, and, and I have been around the Bush family for many, many years um, here in the Houston area and at different events. And we can touch on some of that. Also, I want to touch on Tara. I'm going to throw out some stuff to you, Tara. I've, spoke with some uh, mm-hmm. high-ranking Democrats. Um, one particular uh, um, co- used to be my congressman. I'm not going to give out any names, because I, mm-hmm. I wouldn't, but I spoke with her over the weekend. Uh, she was my former in my where I lived before. She, she was she was my, in my district. She was my district. She was my congresswoman. A woman of color uh-huh. from Texas. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you, you can figure Boy, it out from there. you're just throwing out all the hints. If someone really wanted to go and find out, they could, but go ahead. 
Yeah, I know. But uh but, <laughs> but I'll touch on that. I'll touch on that after the break. Um you are listening to Taylor Terror Radio, TaylorTerrorRadio.com, live Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, one PM Eastern time. If you missed any of the show today, you can catch it on any of your favorite podcast listening platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Spreaker, Tune in, um, Google Play Music, or simply just go to Google and type in Taylor Terror Radio, and you can choose from a array of different podcast listening platforms. Or you can listen to it right here on TaylorTerrorRadio.com and download it on any of those uh, uh, podcast listening platforms that I mentioned. So, okay, right back after this quick break, and what better... What better song? To, what better group to take us to break than Hootie and the Blowfish? New I album. I knew it was coming. New, new, I oh, yeah, yeah. New album, new tour this summer in Houston, June 14th at the Woodlands. Ah, can't wait. All right, right back after this break. Don't go anywhere. Why you punish me Like a wave crashing into the shore You wash away my dreams Time Why you walk away Like a friend with someone Can you teach me about tomorrow and all the pain and sorrow running free? Cause tomorrow's just another day and I don't believe in time.
Monday, and you are listening to Taylor Terror Radio, TaylorTerrorRadio.com, where you can catch us live every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, 1 p.m. Eastern time, uh, right here. And uh, we encourage everybody to follow us on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter at JWadeTaylor. You can follow my co-host, my friend, and my partner on Twitter at Tara Dublin Rocks. And the show account on Twitter is Taylor Tara Radio on Twitter. Follow us there. And we do have an Instagram. I've been posting a couple pictures up there, actually. But um, I'm going to do some more. I'm actually... Um, I'm, 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 t- Tara, I'm, I'm actually learning how to use Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> well, good for you. Well, welcome to 2018, almost 2019. I, you know, I, have, I, uh, I, I, gonna, <laughs> I don't use it that I much. Gotta, I, I gotta tell you, I had to ask. I had to ask my beautiful fiance Karen. Um, I had to ask her, uh, how do I? I like, I can't. I'm like, I can't get a goddamn picture posted up here. How do I do it? Yeah, there's like. It's a picture. Well, right now on on that account, it's a picture of your Christmas tree and a gas station. That that's all that's on there. And we have seven <laughs> followers. That's sad. We have seven Instagram followers. So uh, if you do the Instagram, if you do the Instagram out there, follow us at Taylor Tara Radio. And but I used to keep my my uh, Insta, my personal Instagram. I used to keep that private because you know trolls. But go ahead. I am also at Tara Dublin Rocks on the Instagram, and you're welcome to follow me uh, as long as you know you keep it clean and Not you keep weird. it nice, and you don't send me gross messages like some people do. And if you send me a gross message, I'm going to uh, report you, and yeah. that that'll be that. Um, so you and said you wanted weird. to throw some stuff at me. My microphone keeps yeah, falling out of my microphone holder. I throw wanted to throw this at you. I, I spoke with a couple high-ranking Democrats. Um, over the weekend and um, just kind of sit down for a nice kind of uh, um, chat. and um, As Democrats will do. As Democrats will do. So we were just kind of <laughs> shooting the shit, shooting the nice. shit, talking about the district that, that in, you know, some of the flooding problems here. Now, some of the, listen to me, some of the flooding problems. We got a lot of flooding problems here in Harris County. But um, anyways, so this was what I took away, and this is what they said. This is this is this is what they thought that how the house would move forward on on this. That they felt, and I'm just this is just one person's opinion. I mean, not my opinion. This is what I got from what she said. That they that they would like to move forward, um, not with any sort of uh, not filing any articles of impeachment, <clears throat> but to move forward with all the um, committees, they want to get all of this out in the open, out in the open, uh, open, and everything they want, everything televised. Every single one of these Trump kids that are marched out there, every single one of these these associates, uh, these henchmen of the Trump. Uh, 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 of the of the, all the everybody that's been involved with Trump, everybody that Mueller's rang up and that w- he will continue to ring up. Um, they want to march all these people out there in front of the American public and put them on TV and grill them for hours. And they want to do this. And and they you know they want they want to do this al- uh, alongside 
you know, continuing and and starting to work on some really major um, positive legislation on climate change, on health care, obviously is a biggie. And they and it would and we had this discussion a little bit on Friday, and the way that that this wonderful congresswoman laid it out to me made a lot of sense. And uh, the way that you know they can balance the two, uh, but she did not feel like uh, that that actually filing articles of impeachment in the House was something that they would do. Uh, they would they would take it right up to that point, um, you know, depending on what. On and obviously, depending on what more comes out of the Mueller investigation, um, but they do want the public to know um, everything that's transpired, and mm-hmm. they they feel they feel that that's they feel that they but she said they feel that they owe that to the American people, and I would agree. I would agree with that. And it is something that we touched on Friday where I said they just need to put Michael Cohen on TV and they need to release all of the testimony that has been sealed up to this point that Roger Stone and Donald Trump Jr. gave to Congress. They need and they need to recall them and re-swear them in and have them retestify and televise it all so that nothing is hidden from the American people so that the GOP cannot distract us or throw up any kind of a smoke screen and we get at the truth. And that's what uh, Eric Swalwell was talking about when he went on, uh, I believe it was uh, our hardball or no, Chris Hayes on uh, Thursday night saying that they have all of this stuff that's being blocked by the GOP, but we'll have access to once the house is sworn in next month. So um, I, I, said something similar on Friday where, yes, they could do this. They could have all of these people testifying on television live so that the American people can actually learn exactly what Mr. Mueller knows currently. Uh, at the same time, they have the ability to multitask and get other things done. So that is our greatest hope, that with more than 100 new women coming into the House, plenty of them will be able to do more than one thing. Um, if it gets to the point where these testimonies point to no other solution but impeachment, um, road that it, we are leading to, there should be enough information to sustain that. Um, we can't know, and we can only hope that Donald Trump gets his – this is how calm I'm being. Um, we can only hope that he gets his comeuppance. Because in a good and just world, that would happen. It doesn't ever happen on your timeline. Nothing happens when you want it. It doesn't ever happen as fast as you want. And we talked about that, that the wheels of justice turn at a glacial pace. Um, I'm willing to wait for it, like they sing in Hamilton. I, I'm willing to wait for it. You know, If we get the results that we want, I want to know everything. And we're entitled to know everything that's happened to our election process. We're entitled to know everything uh, that Michael Cohen did uh, in Donald Trump's name, and we're entitled to know involvement Donald Trump had in getting himself elected. So, uh, yeah, I'm bring it all out into the open because you know what? The knowing is so much better than the not knowing. And I would say, you know, when people are withholding information from you, they already know. They already know what the answer is, you know, like they already know where they want things to 
go. They already know what they want their outcome to be. They're just keeping you in the dark because for various reasons, you know, maybe Mueller is holding on to this because he's afraid of the American people's reaction. You know, that he doesn't know how people are going to behave once he releases the, this information. Um, the, the fear of the unknown uh, is something that's really, really bad. And if you're like me, or you're probably not, but if you are in any way someone who lets their brain go without trying to control it, if you get a little too thinky and your brain goes to the darker places, which will happen, it could, you know, you without information, that that's where we get your your fake news and your Hillary Clinton ran a sex pro, kid prostitution ring out of a pizza place. That, that, that's when there's craziness, when there's misinformation, when you're not told the truth, when you're left in the dark, people are left to their own devices and they connect the dots in a way that does not draw a real picture. Um, and it's like that game of telephone when you're a kid where someone starts at the beginning with the, with the truth and at the end it's something completely different. Um, I, I don't like being kept in the dark. Just tell me. Like I would rather hear the absolute worst truth than the world's most beautiful lie. That's how I live. And I can't stand the not knowing because you can make up so much shit in your head. You know, it's crazy. And I, I don't understand. I mean, I understand not telling the American people everything because you don't want to scare everybody into living in a fetal position. But I would say that emotionally, we're all in a fetal position. and We're all being emotionally held hostage by this. And it, it's time. You know, we're done with the midterms. We gained our all of our seats. It's a record win for the Democrats. Yay, us. Uh, I'm ready, Jason. I am ready to know what Mueller knows, and I am ready to move the wheels of justice forward now a little bit speedier. You know, it doesn't have to it doesn't have to be this slow. I think we can speed it up and maybe we can go five miles an hour instead of one mile an hour. Um, yeah, I'm ready to know what he knows, especially about the, the, the Trump, the main adult children and the uh, the Trump Foundation. A uh, multi-level marketing pyramid scheme with the Trump Organization in New York State. That's bad shit. Plus, Don Jr. lied to Congress. You lie to Congress, that's bad. And we have seen that, yes, you can be called on the carpet for that, and you will be. You will be called to testify. You will be held accountable, Don Jr., because Michael Cohen was. So if Michael Cohen was held accountable, you know, Don Jr. is not an elected official. He doesn't have a special, any kind of special protection. He only has his father so what do you think i mean you know what we're dealing with here who does donald trump take one for the team no does he let his children go down no i that's a bad room to be in well you know i had i tweeted out something um that i had we had discussed over the weekend me and some democratic friends and um uh that you know that she said to me, she she expects that you know that that Trump um, will um, will dig his heels in, uh, that he'll pardon right. every he'll pardon everyone, including himself, and um, and uh, because he knows that um, you know that he, he knows that the, you know there's no way that imp- I mean he can be impeached because I mean the Senate's just not going to happen, and I mean. Listen, folks, you can think, you know, I, I see a lot of people, you know, tweeting a lot of, I would call it hyperbole <laughs> out there that this is going to get through this, that this would make it to the Senate. And, 
You know, it it you got to be at some you got to be realistic. It's not. It wouldn't make it through the Senate. You know, um, it, it just it just wouldn't. Um, but um, they want to. You know the the you know and he's like and like she said. You know he's going to dig his heels in. He's going to pardon every single person, he, including himself. And he's going to just dare. You know he, he's going to do whatever he has to do to maintain power. Tara, I mean, to maintain mm-hmm. his, his presidency up until 2020. And I think the Democratic strategy is just this, um, that they want all of this out there in the public. And they, God, I really, for lack of a better term, they want to continue. This is not, and this is not the words of the, of the, of the congresswoman or the people that I was, this is my words I'm using. Mm-hmm. They want to continue. They want to just continue to literally tear down this man with his own actions and his own words in the in the form in in the view of public opinion, all the way up until 2020. So there is nothing absolutely. I mean, there's really nothing left of this man except shell, anyways. But there is literally nothing left of him. His approval rating is so low that it's below the basement. And yeah. They and and during this and during this time to also focus hard on taking back because there's a lot of Senate seats up and, and a lot of ones that we can take. We can take back the Senate in 2022. We can we, oh, we literally control all three branches of government again. So absolutely, um, we have absolutely. and I know that that's where we're heading. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm I, I hear everything that you're saying, and it all does make sense. And of course. When you start talking about impeachment at the forefront of something, it scares a lot of people because what that does is it connects you – it connects into the fear of the unknown because it's, again, uncharted territory. We've never been down this kind of road before. We've been down the impeachment road before. That's you know, certainly not new, but what is new is the circumstances surrounding this particular situation. And uh, again, you know, the – it's the not knowing and – uh, I, I, for one, and I know that you, you can't stand it, 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 is the the pundits on television just kind of spinning their wheels and prognosticating because we have nothing else. We don't have full facts from the Mueller investigation. Uh, we don't have everything that we need to know. And so a lot of what we're seeing on television is filler until we get truth. I'm, and I'm tired of that. I'm tired of people saying, well, if this and if that and if, 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 if. Um, Bob Mueller has all of the answers to the what ifs. And um, I, for one, believe that before this week is out, we're going to get at least one answer to one question regarding this investigation, what that question might be and what that answer might be, who knows. But I also know that Bob Mueller has to be aware that the American public is getting very impatient with this investigation. Uh, Donald Trump is calling for the end of the investigation. I don't think he's going to like it. So, you know, be careful what you wish for there. Um, But there's, it's only got to be bad stuff for the Trump family. Anything that Mueller's got between what he's talked about with Manafort and what he's talked about with Michael Cohen and the deals that he's made and the immunity that he has offered and the time that he has spent with every single person who is connected to the Trump family, they are all criminals. All of them. They all are. And there, there's not a one of them who isn't. So it's only a matter of time. And they may have to get the smaller fish first, like George Papadopoulos is a smaller fish. The smaller fish will give up the bigger fish and so on and so on. All the chain. When it comes down to 
Donald Trump called on the carpet? When is he forced uh, to admit all of his wrongdoings? I don't know, but when that day comes, we will all be living for it, and it will be glorious, and hopefully it'll be televised. Mm, hopefully. I just I mean, fingers crossed. You know, you know yeah. like I'm, I'm feeling the optimism of this show, and I'm just feeling the good. We, we started off in a good mood, and um, uh, I made up a word about myself. I like to you know, do the clever wordplay thing. You know, there's optimist and there's pessimist. I call myself a sloptimist because I like to see my glasses half full, but then I end up spilling it anyway. So sloptimist, I'm sloppy, sloptimist. (laughs) I think that's a clever word. So uh, my glass is half full on this. Like I would love to believe that the things that I'm saying will actually have momentum and truth and will be the things because a lot of the times I'll say things and then they'll happen or someone like a Jeff Merkley will tweet the exact same thing that I said on our show on Friday. Something like that will happen. Um, you, again, you, throw, you have to at some point throw your hands up and say the wheels of justice will turn in the way they are supposed to and hopefully they will run right over him. You, know, you can only hope for that. I would like to be, to hold on to this optimism because this is the last week of the Mercury retrograde. And if you're not paying attention and you don't – like if you believe in the Bible but you don't believe in Mercury retrograde, like <laughs> because I believe in the Mercury retrograde. Um, excuse me. I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Pardon me. All right. So if you're a person who believes in astrology – Mercury retrograde is a point where the planets align in a way that's bad. It's just, it's easier for me to just say that. And depending on your sign, Mercury retrograde impacts you personally in different ways. And so if you're anyone who's interested in astrology, I would encourage you to Google Mercury retrograde, but there are four specific signs of the Zodiac that it happens to impact the most. Really? I got, I want to see this. Yeah. Okay, I, 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 I've read all about it, okay, because I feel like there's some, I mean, of course, when you read your horoscope and it's supposed to, you know, it's very general, but you personalize it for yourself. Okay, so the four signs that, I mean, apparently retrograde, this retrograde affects everybody, but specifically four signs feel the impact more than others. And those four signs are Aries, Taurus, mm-hmm. <laughs> Scorpio, and Libra, okay? Now, I'm a Taurus. And uh, so Aries and Taurus are on one side of the Zodiac, and their opposites are Scorpio and Libra. They're on the opposite side of the, of the Zodiac. And those are supposed to be your ultimate matches, too, like Scorpio and Taurus or Libra and Taurus or Aries and Scorpio, Aries and Libra. Those are good uh, couples. Those are good matches, except if you are in Mercury retrograde, then it's controlled by, by Mercury when Merc- and Taurus, that's my sign, is ruled by Venus when Mercury moves in front of Venus bad. It blocks things. It's, it blocks all of the ways that you connect. It, 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 it's almost like uh, you have a sink and it's clogged, and it's going to be clogged for all of that time, and then all of a sudden it's going to flush out. And it impacts different those signs uh, uh, financially, romantically, emotionally, all of these ways. Mercury retrograde messes with me in its own way. If you happen to be a Taurus like myself, and maybe you are currently dating somebody who is a Libra, it's bad. It's a bad week because for whatever reason, it, they, the poles of the, the blockings of the, of the solar system and the, and the alignment of the planets with the moon and blah, 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 it just screws with you. And so a lot of people will blame 
a difficult period on the Mercury retrograde because it blocks you from getting shit done. But especially if you're one of those four signs that I named. Google it. It's a thing. It's for reals. But it ends on Thursday. This coming Thursday, we will move out of Mercury retrograde. And collectively, as a society, we should also... It'll, it'll feel like we've all just like taken a big exhale and lowered our shoulders. Trust me, by the yeah. end of this week, I, I feel optimistic that by the end of this week and we're out of the Mercury retrograde, all of us who have been impacted by it will feel something different by the end of this week. It's just what I'm guessing. That's, that's yeah. me looking at historically how Mercury retrogrades have personally impacted me when I'm in one. There's Things are muddled and messy, and you don't really get why, and it's frustrating. <clears throat> and then you move out of the retrograde, and then there's like this amazing clarity that you're like, what the hell was wrong with me two weeks ago? Why can't I see this clearly now? And I couldn't 10 days ago. It, Mercury retrograde. That's what it is, everyone. Mm. So as we wrap the show today, um, remember that if you're feeling blocked emotionally or creatively or in your relationships or whatever, Take a deep breath, take a step back, refocus your stuff somewhere else because it's almost something that's bigger than you. Um, if you don't want to believe in a higher power, you may want to believe in the magnetism of the planets and all of that. And I mean, it affects the weather, it affects the tides, the moon does that. So you can create a belief system there if you wanted to. I'm just mm-hmm. saying, I'm just saying that this week, maybe because it's Hanukkah and people are going to get presents, I don't know. But um, this week, I think, is going to be very, very interesting in maybe not yes. a terrible way. Fingers crossed. Yes. Yeah, I wanted to give out, before we wrap up here today, uh, I wanted to give out a little information out there for people listening, um, um, not only here in Texas, but um, around the United States. Um, anybody interested, in, or if you're planning on or you're wanting to come down to Texas um, for the um, – um, for the uh, a funeral for the laying of re- uh, laying to rest of, of President George H W Bush, President 41, um, that's going to be in College Station. And um, to give you everybody out there some idea around the country, if we're not familiar with Texas, um, College Station is about an hour and 45 minutes at the most two hours from. Uh, Houston, and you would be driving northwest to College Station. If you're wanting to fly in, to if you're wanting to fly in and you're wanting to go, let me let me give you guys, uh, let me give everyone what's going on there. With the okay, that's where the uh, presidential library is. There, the Bush 41 presidential library is in College Station. Um, the library will have extended hours today. Monday, okay, so they're going to have extended hours today. It will be closed Tuesday through Thursday for the funeral preparations and will reopen with extended, and they do have extended in, in bold there, extended hours on Friday. I would highly recommend anybody that's coming in and wanting to go to College Station, wanting to be a part of this, being part of of this, of the laying to rest of, of, of President uh, Bush, I would encourage everyone to to fly into um, the airport here in Houston, which is aptly named George H.W. Bush Intercontinental Airport, and um, fly in here and rent a car and drive to College Station. Don't fly into Austin. 
um, because it's the same. It's, it's roughly the same distance, and a much. It's a much easier drive from Houston um, to College Station than than the other way, than the other way around. Whether it be Austin or San Antonio, plus you're going to get a cheaper. You're going to get a cheaper flight. I mean, you can pick up Southwest flight here in the in the Houston Intercontinental, Bush Intercontinental, and um, rent a car and drive to College Station. So that that's what that's that's what I would do. That's my travel advice for anybody. College Station, if you don't know, is a college town. That's where Texas A and M is, and um, uh, it's uh, uh, it's a uh, there's a, a, a plenty of uh, hotels, and I'm sure they're going to be booked up. I'm sure many of them are already booked up. But there's there's little outlying areas around there. It, it's actually if you the formal name of it is Bryan College Station. And uh, so right around Bryan there, because Bryan is around College Station, there's many motels around there, and and it's a it's it's a good area, and um, you know it's it's kind of in a um, uh, you're not around any big city stuff, so you you feel like you're kind of out in the country, and you 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 are really basically, and because um, you're you're not around you know College Station itself is not I mean it has a mall. And all that, but it doesn't have any, you know, big city skyscrapers and all that crap. But it, you know, so you, you know, you can, you, you know, you, it can be, you know, and you get to see the Bush Library and be a part of history if you so choose. Um, you know, you can pick up Spirit Airlines. I know is offering some incredible rates. Southwest Airlines, same. Um, you know, if you're wanting to do something last minute. So that's what I would encourage. You're going to find your cheapest rates uh, from Houston uh, and flying in here to Intercontinental, Bush Intercontinental Houston. So I just want to give everybody that info, Tara. Um, you know, I think that uh, me being here in Houston, um, having been around the Bush uh, family, um, I mean, not on that level, but just, you know, being in Houston, going to sporting events, restaurants, you, I've ran into them countless times, you know, whether it was uh, – uh, uh, George and Barbara, or W, or any of the kids, or any of the grand, you know, the granddaughters, and so uh, extensive family that lives lives here in the uh, Greater Houston area. But well, um, he'll be late. <clears throat> we send uh, but, we definitely send love and light to the Bush family because it's never easy to lose a member of your family that you loved, and of course, uh, having to do it in front of the whole world, you know, just love and light to them. As they transition. Yeah. That's all. Yeah, absolutely. All right. We thank everyone for listening to TaylorTerrorRadio.com today. We'll be back on Wednesday. Make it a good one. We, yes. Uh, we have a we have a guest on Wednesday. Um, Tara? Um, yes, and you want me to say his name because you're afraid to try to pronounce it. You know that's what I was thinking <laughs> How well do I know you now? You know me well. Like, you're just like, ah, help me out with this. <laughs> but yeah. Don't, All right, well. No, uh, okay. Don't make me, I'm don't, don't do with, that to me. No, no, no. All right. All right. I'm going to go with, uh, this is a tough one. All right. So there is, it's, I'm, his name is spelled E-L-I-E. Which is also the same way the very famous writer Mr. Wiesel spelled his first name, and he pronounced his first name Ellie. Ellie Wiesel was a famous writer, so I'm going to go with Ellie. 
We may be wrong. We're going to check this, check into it before we have him join us on Wednesday. But Ellie Honig, that's what I'm going with. I'm usually pretty good at this. Ellie Honig, who is a CNN legal analyst, and uh, he went to Rutgers. He's a Jersey dude, so I'm excited to talk to another Jersey dude. Uh, he uh, He's definitely worth a follow, and uh, he'll be joining us on Wednesday. The prosecutor, and legal analyst. There it is. There it is. All right, that's a wrap for today. We'll see everybody Wednesday, 1 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, coming up next week on the show, we have um, a couple of great guests. We have Sherry Jacobus next week coming up, and we have uh, Dr. Catherine London, uh, who is running for the Senate in Maine um, against Susan Collins, um, and she's already started her campaign, and why not? Um, why not? That'll be a great yeah. one to talk to her. Yeah, real excited to talk to her. And um, so that's going to be, uh, yeah, action packed week next week. And, and then Wednesday, our, our guest at Tara said. We're going to practice and I'm going to make you introduce him on Wednesday. I swear, I swear that I am. Well, what? Once I say, I look, I'm not going to do it on the air. I, I, I had an idea of, of his name, but I'm just not going to. I'm not going to do it and then have you go. Oh no, no, because you'll you scold me for that. I won't scold you. I'll just correct you. We want to be able to pronounce everybody's name correctly. It's you know because it's, it's their name. <laughs> In the we'll get there. We'll get there, my friend. This is our 57th show, but if you go back and listen to some of the earlier shows when I would pronounce some names, Tara would jump right in. Man, she jumped right over on top of me, say no. <laughs> Crescentine. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we are out of here. And who needs a blowfish new album? Yes, going to be here a summer tour. Can't wait for that. Everyone have a great week. Stay sane. Get out. Get some fresh air. And uh, um, you know, get don't stress out about Christmas for God's sake. Please don't. Please don't. Have a everyone enjoy the holiday season. Enjoy it. All right, Terry, you have, have a, a good, good day. Everyone. Bye, everyone. Me too. Bye. With a little love and some tenderness, we'll walk upon the water, we'll rise above the mist with a little peace. Some harmony